0: Welcome to Art for All, sponsored by Sketchbook School. As a thank you for joining us, I'd like to give you a free ebook and our monthly newsletter full of tips, recommendations, and other cool stuff. Just head over to SketchbookSchool.com to claim your freebies and to learn more about our classes and workshops and our membership program. We believe that art is for everyone, and I hope our podcast inspires you to create and explore your own artistic journey. Thanks for listening on with the show. Hi, welcome to the Art for All podcast. This is the Curious Sketchbook, and it I'm Danny Gregory. I'm an artist, an author, and the founder of Sketchbook School. I'm joined by my friend, John Muir Laws. Hi, John.
1: Hey there. I'm John Muir Laws. I am a biologist, artist, teacher, And uh, I've kept sketchbooks of my own for years and years, and they're sort of an adjunct to my brain. And happy to be here discussing all sorts of ideas and concepts and related thoughts with you today, Danny.
0: Great. Well, today we're going to talk about self-education, what it means to teach yourself uh, a subject or what it means to teach yourself to make art, which is our focus here. And we're also going to talk about what are what is the best approach to do? And our own personal experiences. We're going to talk about growth mindset. We're going to talk about good and bad teachers, and we're going to talk about just really how to make the best of the resources you have, how to use community, how to find a coach, a mentor, and a teacher, and that may be you, but how to do it the best possible way. And uh, we'll talk about. What we've learned and what we how we teach people to to help you to teach yourself. So let's get into it. This will be fun. All right, we are just plunging in. We were just briefly discussing um, Jack, your uh, transcontinental adventure. Uh, uh, tell us what uh, you were up to.
1: Well, um, um, our 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 Nana, my my wife's mother. Um, is our last grandparent, um, who is uh, still with us. So th- we, the family, went from California over to to, to Maryland to spend some time with her. Uh, and when we got over there, um, <laughs> it was just this eruption of the Omicron variant of the of the COVID virus. Yeah, and so we have. Uh, we just sort of huddled together and hoped for the best, kept our masks on and avoided crowds, um, did the same on the flight back. And, uh, we fortunately were, uh, nobody's caught the virus. So we're just doing everything we can for our own, you know, there's so much that you can do by being intentional about your distancing, your mask wearing, washing your hands, Uh, those are the things that we can control and we controlled those variables really well. And we got through without, without getting sick. So I'm happy to be here and healthy.
0: How are you doing, Danny? I'm glad you are too. Yeah. And vaccinations, of course, those, those.
1: Absolutely. So we, uh, my wife and I've had, uh, all three shots. So, uh, two Pfizer's and a booster and our two daughters have had their two shots, under their skin and now have just become eligible for their booster so they will be doing that soon. You know, having having something on board to help support our immune system like that give us an edge should the virus show up in our body just makes makes a huge huge difference to people's uh, experience if they get it and recovery, not having the long covid and just keeping our bodies um, clean and and uh and and not have that virus run rampant in us that, that it I'm so grateful to science thank you science um Co vaccines work
0: absolutely yes um we feel I think when we first got our f- first vaccine, we kind of felt like ah, it's over, we're done. we're, f- we're yes. free we're safe, right? We actually volunteered. To work here at the stadium in Phoenix, and we stayed up overnight helping people get their vaccines. And so, as as compensation, we got our own, slightly mm-hmm. ahead of the line. And we we're like, "This is it. We're free. We can do whatever we want." <coughs> and uh, increasingly, we've all been humbled and uh, realized that, you know, the good news is we're less likely to die, but we're certainly not immune. So that's so right. be so- yeah, so- I,
1: I think that's a, that's a big um, misunderstanding. That people will think that if, I, if this, this vaccination is supposed to prevent me from getting COVID, well, that, that's not the way that our immune systems work. If COVID comes into my body, my body already has, if, if, if my body is completely naive to an invading virus, then the virus can just have a party while my immune system slowly goes like, wait, what's this? Wait, is this thing? Di- oh, oh, wait a minute. We'd better kind of marshal our forces against it. But because I've got that, um, that vaccine in my body, all the markers of, of, ooh, look, there's this virus in you, are there ready to be detected. So my body is already primed to get on top of the case should any little virus particle make its way in and then my immune system can can uh, marshal so that it, we avoid that big lag period where your body's going like oh wait what's this thing right um so it's yeah it doesn't it doesn't help me not get it but should i get it there are two things going to happen one is my my symptoms are not going to be as severe and number two um i'm not going to have as heavy a viral load so I'm l- much less likely to spread it around to all my friends, family, and anybody at the grocery store.
0: You speak as if you were married to an epidemiologist.
1: Um, I am the uh, amazing Sabel Renault. Um, she's been. I'm I'm proud of her. She's she's brave. Uh, she's been on the the front lines of of dealing with this this, this, this horrible virus. And, um, you know, in just a few minutes, she's going to be heading out the door, um, to head over to the hospital to do patient care again today.
0: That must be, that must be really tough on you and on your whole family to know that she's, uh, she's on the front lines. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm so glad that she is, but not for your sake. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I'm proud of her. I I can understand that. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, by the way, I just want to mention one thing quickly, just while we're on this subject, which is not our normal subject for a curious sketchbook, but I don't know. This is another thing that we can be curious about, I guess. I'm reading this book called Earth Abides. Have you ever heard of a book like this? uh, It is a book that was written in the early 50s. It's a science fiction novel. And I don't usually read a lot of science fiction novels, but I heard about this book and it sounded sort of interesting. And what it is, is it's the first kind of, or one of the first books that's about basically uh, an apocalyptic virus. Mm. And this, um, it's about a guy who is just sort of a curious guy. Like I can imagine you having this, being this character in this book he is um, very interested in nature and he does a lot of camping and at the very Sounds beginning of the book, yeah at the very beginning of the book, he gets bitten by a rattlesnake and just then there is an epidemic that suddenly happens really quickly and um, basically within two or three days it wipes out the ninety nine point nine percent of of humanity. Hmm. Everybody dies really, really quickly from this vaccine. And a lot of what the book is talking right, about- from
1: a, from a vaccine or the virus? I'm sorry,
0: I'm sorry, from the virus. Yes, there is yes. no vaccine. And everybody dies very quickly. And um, so he is bitten by this rattlesnake and he doesn't know about the about what's happened. And he um, is in a tent, you know, recovering or cabin, I think, recovering from this rattlesnake bite. And he, and he has um, a fever and he has various other symptoms- and then when he recovers, uh, he learns the news about what's happened. And mm. it seems that getting bit, bitten by the rattlesnake somehow supercharged his immune system right at the right moment, kind of like a Spider-Man sort of situation. And so therefore, he managed to develop uh, an immunity. And um, he, it's really about what happens to the earth when all people are gone. And I've read another book about this idea, which is called The World Without Us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so you've heard about that book? Yeah. There was a National yeah. Geographic um special about it too. And this book, again, this is from the early 50s, and it's really, it's really fascinating about what happens to animals, um, you know, and how domestic animals um you know react to suddenly there not being any humans around. Um, what happens to wild animals and how they sort of change their behavior and start to come into the places where people were um, and change their behavior as well. It's also about what happens to uh, cities, what happens to electricity, what happens to water, all these different systems. And uh, it's also about building... A society from the ground up we've we see a lot of these post-apocalyptic things and they're about zombies or this constant threat and this book isn't about that threat at all it's like this has happened and he slowly manages he's he's a person who doesn't particularly uh interact with other people very much he's kind of a loner but he slowly starts to realize like he needs to, needs other people and he starts to yeah. form a little tribe um and then the book kind of goes over the next 20 years as they start to develop um a little community and they start to have children and then they start to realize like okay we have to we We're basically living off canned goods and living off whatever's left over from Mm -hmm. from human civilization. And then they start to realize, like, okay, we've got to start preparing for whatever's going to happen next. But it's also about the human impulse to not prepare. And if you're fine now, then just keep doing what you're doing. Um, But also – you know how much should you prepare for event, for the eventualities? I don't know. It's just a fascinating book. And I just stumbled across it, and I just spent the weekend like completely immersed in it, and uh, it's been really cool. So, well,
1: I think those those are you know those are really interesting themes to explore in our own thinking. Um, I uh, <clears throat> the uh, everybody thinks of me as somebody who. Um, you know, must be spending his time uh, you know, reading Thoreau. Um, but I also am somebody who loves actually a good zombie movie. The um, and so it's a that's a an, an interesting theme in some of the best of them are this idea that there's something going on that's this problem, you know, an external problem, and. and- the we, we people think about that. Okay. So that the, the zombies are your problem, but inevitably in, in these movies, it's human interactions, um, how we treat each other and um, our own greed or selfishness. Um, that is the downfall of whatever little community is trying to, to, to get going. So ultimately in these movies, there's, there's kind of an interesting moral about, you know, it's not the enemy without, it's the enemy, enemy within, right. um, it's ourselves that we have to confront and the problems, whatever we're encountering, the, the problems are going to be the problems that we have, but, and we don't have any real control over that you're in, the, there's a virus that's rampaging across the globe, um, And it's going to be evolving and doing its things on its own terms. But what we do have control is over is how we respond and the decisions that we make. How do we treat each other? Is our first impulse to get out there and hoard hoard as much toilet paper as we can Mm -hmm. as we barricade our bunker? Um, Are we helping other people get along? Um, uh, This this morning, I was in line. Um, hey, lovey. Have a really good day at work. Proud of you. That's about...
0: Um, she goes. We just saw her. In the flesh. Yes, go on. <laughs> um, the zombies, yes.
1: Yeah, so, so, so but what... we We do have control over the decisions that we make and the degree to which we... We take care of each other. This morning, um, my daughters and I um, got up at six to go get in line to get um, tested before they get back to school. They're going to get um, tested to see if they have an active case of COVID. And um, the lines were long. And um, there was a woman. Who was in her car, you know, everybody's in cars, sort of in line um, to get their their their, their tests. There's a, a woman who had car trouble. And this collection of people uh uh got out of their vehicles and helped her um manage and deal with her situation instead of leaving her alone she wasn't just somebody who was alone in their car while everybody else was buckled up in their cars people got out and took care of her and that is what we need that's part of the package that we need we need of course science the vaccinations and our sort of the best current information on how to respond to something like the virus or of course the zombies Um, We also need to keep taking care of each other and draw that boundary of care, not just around ourselves or our immediate family, but how can we still function as a community?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I saw it during 9-11, living in New York, people behaving that way. I saw it um, when Hurricane Sandy kind of devastated a a lot of the area that I lived in. People join together. This hasn't brought up necessarily the best in people. It did at the beginning, but there seems to have been a certain amount of uh, everybody for themselves that's gone on. But anyway, we're not going to editorialize or politicize this discussion. That's cool. that's not in our purview. But uh, I think we can all bu- we can all agree that that uh, when possible, let's help each other. So let's 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 help each other.
1: Yeah. And also, just want to send a shout out to a. a the, the person at the uh, testing center, uh, she told me that, she said, I'm so sorry you've had to wait so long. We're short-staffed because many of us have been getting sick. So, um, deep respect to those people who are out managing the testing stations and putting themselves at risk so that our larger community can be safe. Thank you.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So today's topic is not COVID, despite what we've talked about for the last 15 minutes. Um, our topic is going to be self-education. Um, and I think in in a lot of ways, we're both self-educated when it comes to certain parts of our, of what we do. Um, you know, I, I went to a good high school. I went to a good college. Um, But ultimately the thing that I'm passionate about is something that I'm self-educated in or the two things really. I mean, uh, writing is something that I certainly studied in high school a bit. And when I went to college, ironically, when I went to college, there was a creative writing program that you had to apply to. So every other, every other class you wanted to take in college you just signed up for and if there was room you got into but creative writing and my creative writing class was taught by an author named Joyce Carol Oates and you know she's a famous author but she rejected me I didn't get in so I never got to take creative writing in college um and I've never read a Joyce Carol Oates book since just my petty revenge <laughs> that showed her right yeah, that, if you, take if that. all of you who are listening to this, please never read a George Scalloads book to support me. Um but but ultimately oh. when it came to writing, you know, I learned by doing. And then when I was in my forties um or late thirties, when I started to draw, similarly, it was, you know, I didn't go to art school. I didn't really take many art classes, maybe a couple in high school, but ultimately I taught myself how to draw and how to paint. And that's basically what I've done ever since. And And what is your story as far as that goes? And, and not just in terms of art, but also in terms of other things that you are now, you know, focused on. Um,
1: I, most of my early life, uh, I've been, I've been a kid with a pencil in my hand. Um, in, uh, 2001. I left the job that I was doing, and I decided I wanted to do, to create this 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 field guide about the Sierra Nevada Mountains. And in order to do that, I thought I needed to kind of up my game. Um, there was a scientific illustration program at UC Santa Cruz, and um, I applied for that and I was, uh, accepted to it and spent nine months there studying scientific illustration. Um, before that I had, you know, in high school, there had been art classes. I took some art classes in, in college, but at the time that I was doing that sort of the, the state of the art of, um, of teaching people art was this idea that everybody has an inner artist in them and you just don't want to get in the way of that. And so put materials in their hands and just kind of let them go. So um, essentially there was no technique taught, um, but there were opportunities to, um, to draw and to paint. Um, so they would, uh, you'd take a figure drawing class and a person would walk into the middle of the room and take their clothes off and <laughs> you'd be there with your charcoal and go. Um, and every once in a while that, you know, the teacher would kind of make a rounds and and say, make your lines more expressive. And you kind of go, I really don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but there's, there's, there's a real minimum, uh, of, of, of instruction. I always kind of wanted like, you know, how do I do this? And, um, but this class in Santa Cruz, it was a different story. Um, it was very focused. Um, you know, it's like, all right, we're going to be drawing insects today and we're going to be doing that in black and white and we're going to be using stipple and we're going to be trying to render, um, sort of, uh, textured surfaces with little lines and grooves and dots in the back. And, um, here's how you use the telescope, the, the microscope and, um, no, don't don't look through it that way. Look through it this way, because then you know the light is going to be at a better angle, and you'll see. You know, so it was very, very, very specific.
0: Um, and is that because it was scientific illustration? It wasn't self-expression. It was designed, right? You, you were being told to, Yeah, you were being told. Like, to we be want
1: effective. we want you to be able to render this beetle in a way that people looking at it will recognize the texture on the surface of its carapace, right? And I uh, – it was intense. So every day, you know, you you wake up early and you draw, 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 draw. Um, there would be these critiques that would be the most detailed, um, specific. Like, like this part of this Beatles tarsus, it doesn't really have a sense of – volume to it. It just feels flat to me like, yeah, that section of that tarsus. Oh, I see what, but, but, but it was because it was so specific, <laughs> um, everybody in that cohort, we got so much more sort of, uh, technically, uh, precise in what we were doing. Um, and because we were drawing so much, we all got a lot better. And it ended up being an incredibly supportive environment that encouraged us just to kind of work together and do more. Um, and so it it was an, a really positive experience for me in taking art lessons. Before that, I'd been kind of like meh on these art lessons, and I'd done everything kind of on my own and looking at a few books. Um, since then, I. Have continued to draw and draw and draw, and also have devoured books by other people, and I think I'm now kind of better able to kind of sort through them and kind of like, ah, this is an idea that I need. This is an idea that I need. Um, I've got kind of a bigger pictures of kind of this drawing process. So when I'm looking through one of these kind of you know um, art self help books, um, I can spot parts in it that like oh this this is going to help my game a little bit more easily so i'm a combination it started off self-taught then i took this really intensive very specific course and loved it and since then i've continued to do my self-education
0: so that's I mean, that is interesting that is, i mean that's very different from my experience and I was just thinking, as you were talking about it, I was thinking, I seem to remember that when I was younger, you know, going back to when I was a, a kid, that I bristled when people would tell me specifically how to do stuff that was creative, you know, like, and mm-hmm. I think that was true mm-hmm. of writing as well. I mean, writing, I remember, you know, in high school, my teacher would critique what i'd written and you know red pencil stuff and ah, yes. you know all that kind of thing i was just like oh i really really resented it and hated it and i would come up with all kinds of theories about like why this stuff couldn't be taught and you know whenever i would take a class that had anything to do with art uh, history and they would like break down paintings and they would say like you know there's a triangular shape that connects you know the drapery here with the with the you know, the saint's head over there, all that kind of stuff. And I would just, I would just, I hated it. And I would say to myself, you know, I just don't believe that that's really the way artists work. And I don't think that they have all this kind of subtext in there. And, and in English class, you know, in high school, when they would take apart, you know, a novel and they would talk about the themes and the symbolism. And I would always think, again, like, is any of that really real? Is that really the way artists work? Is that just like nonsense that English teachers have come up with? <laughs> I, I was just always rebelling in my mind at least. i mean I, I, I occasionally would say it out loud, but but I think, and when it came to art making, i I just think i would I would not have been I mean, you were you know older. Obviously, you yeah. you know, and you were very. And, focused and I was
1: going on. there specifically to get that
0: to learn that right? particular thing, right? So, because so, yeah. like you when know, my my son went to art school, he went to Rhode Island School of Design. It's a really good school, um, and I think a lot. I mean, the first year they did they did do drawing, and they did you know, and he it was he was kind of amazed at how many kids who were students there had never drawn, had never learned to draw, didn't yeah. draw, you know, and I, I thought like, really, like you're going to art school and you never really know, you knew how to draw. I mean, Jack knew how to draw. That's my son, Jack. Uh, he knew how to draw because you know, we always would draw together, but, but, um, you know, it just felt like similar to what you're saying that learning that art was, you know, and I think this is something that kind of developed, you know, 50 years ago. Um, art education is supposed to be conceptual, you know, teaching people how to think like artists, you know, um, particularly since most art, you know, the focus on representational art, you know, has diminished so much over the last century. So I think that people didn't think that you go to art school to learn how to draw and paint technically. Um and and I agree with that. I mean I think I think that that, that is what an artist should should focus on to some extent. That, you know, you need to focus on how to see and think like an artist not just um, how to render and how to use certain materials. Um, but that is also, but that is something you want to learn too. So it's, it is right. a conflict, right? right? So, so like, why are you going to school uh, exactly? And, you know, I think I've certainly bought f- thousands of art instruction books over the years, you know, and you buy it, you go to the bookstore and you see like oh, a book on watercolors and you buy it and you, you know, you're looking at the pictures and, You kind of ignore most of the text because a lot of times they're not really that well written or they're using the kind of language you described before where you sort of say, I don't really understand really what they're talking about, draw expressively, you know, this, or, or they're talking very technically about, about the materials. Um, So I just found like, I would look at the pictures for inspiration. um, But I think I bought a lot of books that I never really used to learn from. Like I didn't. You know, to some extent, when you have this desire to learn to draw, it's mitigated a little bit by buying a book on how to draw. So you go, I really want to learn how to draw. Go and buy a book mm-hmm. on how to draw. And then like that itch is scratched. Um, and, you
1: know. Right, right. Because you, that's on my shelf, it's now kind of done. Kind
0: of, kind of know it now, right? And it's kind yes. of like, and it's the same <laughs> as like buying art supplies. I feel like yeah. making art. Let me go and buy some art supplies. Okay, now I don't need to make art anymore. I spent. That's right. You I know- can put them
1: in that box that's on the shelf in the closet.
0: <laughs> exactly, with all the. And art. I
1: got that much closer to doing art. Yeah, yeah, almost.
0: Almost. And one day I'll. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think I think when it comes to art instruction books, and I've written as of you, we've both written books on how to teach people to draw, um, you know, and it's and some extent it's difficult to write a book on how to teach people to draw you know it's 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 difficult to say okay here it's like writing a book on how to drive i always bring up driving as an analogy but it's like you gotta do it you gotta do it so how can i write a book that actually rather than instructs you kind of more inspires you so that you'll actually do it because again Mm -hmm. buying books on art instruction and buying art supplies is only (laughs) only useful if you actually get them out and start working with them. Um,
1: I I think that that, what you're talking about there with the the driving school, um, that learning how to drive is a great analogy because there's, you can, you can see the movies, you can study the manual, but you also have to get behind the wheel. Right. But if you get behind the wheel without any of that, of, seeing the movies or um, getting some of the theory, you're going to be a real hazard to yourself and others.
0: You might die um, before you learn to drive.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, you, you can, and, and, and if you survive those, that first month or two, right, then you'll probably emerge a good driver. Um, but there's, there's some stuff that we've figured out about operating a motor vehicle that works really, really well. Um, And not just sort of rules, but, you know, the idea you come up to the street you're going to cross and you turn your head to the left and then to the right and then to the left. So you go left, right, left. And that wouldn't have occurred to me, but somebody taught me left, right, left. And so what I'm doing is I'm first looking where the place where the first car that I'm going to be getting hit by will be. And then I look back in the, and when it's clear there, I look back the other direction to see if the far lane is clear. But before I pull out into traffic, I'm going to look back to where the car is going to be coming again. So back to the left and that little left, right, left habit, it works really well. I might not have come up with, Hey, let's look at negative shapes, but looking at the negative shapes, somebody points this out to me like, Oh, Oh yes. That works really well. That's a left, right, left. It's this sort of weird little thing we can do. And it makes the mechanics of this work so much better. I don't know if I would have come up with left, right, left, or if I would have come up with um looking at negative shapes if I were just if I just got behind a wheel.
0: That's why I think one of the best art instruction books is Betty Edwards drawing on the right side of the brain, because it teaches oh, you mad props to yeah, there's like three or four things that you learn from that book that are the things that you need to know. You know, and drawing <laughs> negative shapes is one of them. Draw, I mean, the, her exercise where you draw upside down is so transformative. I mean, I've done that exercise with so many people, and they cannot believe that they were able to draw this thing that they were able to copy. Yeah a drawing by, I forget who it's by, Picasso or something. And you say, and then you turn it around and it's like a magic trick that you did to yourself. And understanding the whole, the the, the theory behind this sort of split brain notion that that you um, have to not think symbolically, it's it's totally one of those like light bulb moments. And so, yes, there are things that, again, Nobody really in the history of art instruction ever kind of knew that stuff like she i mean they they probably knew it, but she articulates it in such a great way by tying it to brain science um, and to developments in how the brain functions that that just resonates so much with particularly with people who are new to drawing because it sort of says to you yeah there's like there are, there are actual sort of objective aspects to this process." That you can learn and understand, um, and if you do, you'll make quantitative, I mean, qualitative leaps immediately. And you do, yeah, you do, you, you, do. Know? you do. And I think another thing that's cool about that book is she has these kind of before and after examples of people. Aren't those fun? Aren't yeah, those and fun? and in a lot of ways, you could say, well, any art instruction book could probably have those, but most don't. And in some ways, they're. Um, they're like testimonials like this really works. Look, it really worked with me. But on another level, it also makes it accessible. And you say, Oh, my drawings are lousy, like that first drawing is. Could I really get to this other place? And there's sort of a guarantee that like you will get there. And that gives you confidence. And so confidence is another one of those sort of primal um learning experiences you have to have when it comes to drawing that says, you know what? It's not really about talent. It's not really even about any kind of tricks or technical things. It's just believing that you can do it that will make a huge, huge difference in what you're doing. Um, So, again, those are things you might figure out by yourself. But, you know, a great instruction book can can help you to kind of catapult forward in a way that's really great
1: yeah so one of the the things that i found myself talking a lot about in my workshops is this idea of the growth mindset yeah and um explain that this like, is, that's
0: a fascinating so 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 concept.
1: so growth the idea behind growth mindset it, it comes from our re um, our, our our sort of better understanding through neuroscience of the way that we learn and it used, we used to believe that people's brains developed throughout their, um, throughout their adolescence and then somewhere in there they stopped growing. And then that was the brain you had and the brain cells that you have to play with. And after that was just kind of a slow decline, sort of depending on how much partying you were doing. Um, but you're basically, here's, here's the brain you get and that's, that's the brain you have. And so in that context, it sort of would make sense for people that like, well, I'm going to just let's find out if I have a good brain or a bad brain. So I'm going to take an IQ test. Um, But what we found as people have gone in and continued to study brains is that that idea was an interesting hypothesis, but it's totally wrong. And human brains develop throughout our entire life. And the signal that we need to kind of get your brain to grow is repetition with effort. And by kind of showing up for that, uh, showing up again and again and again, you are making your brain physically change its shape and structure. So all learning is actually physically rewiring neurons in your brain and building new neural connections so you are you are actually changing the structure of your brain and you do that at all ages and if you stop doing that stop challenging your brain and your brain doesn't have to work your brain will also start to prune away branches that it doesn't need anymore but the minute you start pushing yourself again and kind of challenging your brain Then it starts rewiring and building new structures in your brain. So it's not the brain that you're born with. It's the brain that you make through the work and the decisions throughout your entire life. And what they found is that if you teach this fundamental idea to people, it changes the way that they face challenges and practice. Because if you believe that the brain that you've got is the brain that you've got and something is hard, well, then obviously, this is just beyond your pay grade. And so you'd better do something else. But if something is hard and you've got, instead of that fixed mindset, a growth mindset, you're like, oh, this is challenging. Huh, that's interesting. And then you, what you do is you reframe that feeling of, oh, this is hard, to and when you are experiencing that, you're saying to yourself, like, oh, cool, this is the feeling of my brain growing. And so. Criticism instead of something that brings you down. If you've got a fixed mindset and somebody says you didn't do that well, you missed this and this and this, you feel really bad and you don't like them. But if you've got a growth mindset and somebody says, you know, this part didn't work and this part or this part and this part, and you look at that and you go like, Oh, that's right. I'm gonna to try to do that differently this time. How can I do that differently?
0: Thank you so much. What sir, was going I have on? Another, right.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah, but you really mean it. You're not just you're your your brain is going, okay, good. So coaching. Helps instead of coaching, you feel irritated at the coach. If you've got a fixed mindset and somebody's saying like, "Oh, do this differently," you're like, "No, the brain I've got is the brain I've got, pal." Why are you getting on my case? Instead of, "Oh, this is great. Yes, okay. Now, what else am I going to do?" So it totally changes the way that you face you face a mistake. So if if you make a mistake and you've got a fixed mindset, oh, you did something bad. If you make a mistake and you've got a growth mindset, you're like, oh in each of those mistakes is your opportunity to learn to do something differently so there's a, a, a wonderful um, uh, 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 there's a, some, a, a quote from one of my favorite quote mindset researchers um, is that um, well not, not just this idea that 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 challenge is the feeling of your brain growing. Um, but I have completely lost my train of thought. There was another idea in there. And what is it? What is it? What is it? It'll come to me in a moment.
0: Okay. Um, So let me take over for a second to say, I mean, I think obviously it's empowering, you know, if you grow up in, uh, if you feel like you've grown up, for instance, in a society where you are in a caste, or you are, you know, you're going to be a serf because your father was a serf. Um, it takes away your, your, uh. Impulse to try, you know. You, you're, right. you're locked. You're locked into this particular in this particular situation. And, um,
1: and 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 the caste system can also be built around the myth of talent.
0: Exactly. So so I I was born incapable of doing of drawing. I'm not an artist. I this and that. Yes. Um, yes. And I think it's also interesting. This you know Malcolm Gladwell wrote that whole thing about the notion of the ten thousand hours to master um a given skill you know he talked about about that's what it takes but it's it's it, and that's actually inaccurate because it's what it's not just showing up it's not showing up it is challenging yourself it is forcing yourself to try to to be active and to always be <coughs> pushing yourself into discomfort discomfort is a really important aspect of the growth mindset right because you don't want to just say well, you know, I play the scales and the piano every day for ten thousand hours. I should be able to, you know. Um, <laughs> now bring piano.
1: on the Rachmaninoff. Why exactly. isn't working? I'm just really good at scales now.
0: Right, and I think similarly um, when 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 I talk to people who say I just can't draw noses, I just can't draw horses, I just can't draw buildings, I just can't do this, and so then you don't, and then you never will. Be. Right. But if you say That's to yourself, right. you know what, I can't draw this, but let me try it, or oh, yeah, that was really or, terrible, or, it was or just struggling. insert
1: yet after that yeah. i can't draw it yet
0: exactly right that and yet
1: it. that yet mindset is really really powerful and so just to, to um did you, did you pick
0: up your your thought again
1: no there were there were two actually two other thoughts that okay. riffed off what you were just saying a moment ago um and now they're gone, but you keep going. And if I was, I'm going to make a little, uh, kind of some, some doodles as, as these, these, these ideas come to me so that the next idea I'm actually going to, I'm going to, 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 to have, oh yeah, I remember sort of one, one of these thoughts. Um, so if you just, um, are, you're talking about discomfort and they've actually looked into this and sort of what is the optimal place in terms of your discomfort in any challenge. And and what it is, is you want to get yourself, your brain to enjoy being just outside of your comfort zone. So the sweet spot for neural development is not when you're totally overwhelmed, because then you're gonna get panicked. you are like, ah, I can't do this, right? It's not where you're comfy because then you're not having to learn anything new. But if you just kind of get used to the idea of I'm going to push myself just a little bit outside of my comfort zone, that is the place where, where you can surf. You want to surf the wave that is just slightly larger than the one that you know you can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, my yoga instructor always says you should feel uncomfortable but not in pain. You know, so, Mm -hmm. so if you're in a place of discomfort, then that's, that's what growth feels like. Yes. Uh, But pain means it's an alarm. You're doing something wrong. So, so I think a lot of times we're afraid to take risks because we're afraid of, of calamity. You know, we're afraid Mm -hmm. of trying to go into someone new, you know, I mean, I've talked before about, um, when I went to clown school, speaking of self-education, I went to, yeah, I went to clown school Which was, I mean, the most extreme discomfort. How can you do things that are based in, you know, public humiliation and, um, and you know, because clowns ultimately we we enjoy clowns because we sort of see ourselves in them, right? You look at Charlie Chaplin and you think, yeah, yeah, I, I like it's externalizing this thing that we're always afraid of doing. And here's a person who does it and survives, um, survives, you know, pratfalls and, and all kinds of disasters. (laughs) And that's like, that's the role that clowns have in our society and in our own psychology is just, we can go vicariously with them to a place that we would ourselves be embarrassed or ashamed to go there. Um, but, but taking that on and saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to, try and experience this in order to feel okay with a bad thing happening to me. Like, you know, if I know, if I'm always terrified that something disastrous will happen, if, if I'm afraid of doing a bad drawing and then I force myself, you know, to do a bad drawing, I've done this exercise with people where I've said, let's try and do a bad drawing. You will fail if you do a good one. So let's try, like, what would it mean to do a bad drawing? What does that actually mean? Can you force yourself to do it? And unfortunately, most people come back and they say, you know what? I ended up really loving the drawing that I did. And I say, well, you failed. You, That's failed. Failed. <laughs> you failed. That's a terrible, good, terrible, it's a good D point.
1: minus. Yeah, exactly. Let me get out my red pen.
0: Exactly. So, so I think, you know, finding situations for ourselves where we say, how can I be okay with falling on my face? Um, and, you know, by doing that, I know. Again, it's like lifting weights at the gym you want to get to the point of failure, right? If you lift mm-hmm. weights and you, you know, you can do the whole set, then there's no point in doing it. It's only, it's only when you get to the point where you cannot do <clears> one more that you know that you had a good workout. Um, and so similarly with drawing, it's like we too often think that, that we have, have, have not grown because we didn't do well. And in fact, that the opposite should be the case have you found, right. have you found a thread again
1: oh yeah so and but I just wanted to to reinforce what you're saying about giving yourself permission to take those risks and give yourself permission to make those mistakes you have to sort of reframe what those mistakes are um, because in those that is where you're learning oh I remember the uh, the thing that um, uh, I was the, the 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 cool idea about growth mindset. Um and no it just left. It's strange my brain is not holding on to ideas very like long
0: today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, but it's a good one. When it comes back the third time, we'll yeah, wait, we'll catch wait. it then. You know, it, just this is just building up uh, <laughs> just building up for that. But um but sort of a, another kind of related kind of interesting idea is kind of, when you're talking about, it, it's not just sort of sitting down at the piano and going dum 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 and doing chopsticks a gazillion times for your 10,000 hours. Um, and also, so first of all, you're, you're right, that the, the, there's, there's a lot of confusion about that 10,000 hours thing that makes people think that if I want to get a, develop a skill, I need to devote 10,000 hours to it. But that's not what that research is saying. That was to get to be the first violin in the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. What we're talking about here is how much time and effort do you need to put in to the point where you're getting positive reinforcement from what you're doing that gets you to want to do it again and again and again and again, or to the point where you see your skill is developing and growing. And that happens really fast. You don't need, you're then on the path to getting that 10,000 hours in. Um, So it's not like you wait for 10,000 hours and then you're going to see results. In this, you start doing this. You push your brain outside of that little comfort zone and you will start to develop these skills. And there's a real pleasure that comes from, you know, You mentioned the before and after drawings, you know, you open up the front of your, your sketchbook and you're kind of like, this is what I was doing three months ago. And this is what I'm doing now. And that's, this is, I can see that it is different and that. So you don't need that, to put in that 10,000 hours in order to get really significant results. The 10,000 hours thing is about being first violin in the world's most prestigious orchestra right. um, or to being the world's champion chess master, right? right? To, to be that person, um, which for me is not my goal.
0: But right? also putting right. in 10,000 hours might not get you that goal either. So you could put in 10,000 hours and not be the world's chess champion. That's right. But if you want to be the chess chess champion, you're going to have to put in that time. So you're going to have to to put put in that time.
1: But you start putting the time in on whatever it is now, and you're going to start to see results from that work that you put in. And it's not, again, just repeating things, but in what they're talking about is the idea of deliberate practice. So not just practice, but deliberate practice. And the thing that makes deliberate practice different than practice practice um, is that when people are do- doing deliberate practice, there is a clear feedback mechanism that, that, that you're using. So if you're doing the same thing, let's say I'm going to learn how to play golf and you get the stick and you kind of whack around, you know, you get like you get really good at being a weed whacker, but you wouldn't get good at hitting that ball where you want it to go. So with, with, with feedback, like I did this this time and this happened. So now I'm going to do it differently this time. Oh, that worked. I'm going to do that again. So you're actually looking at what you have done and then looking for how you're going to intentionally change that to the next stage. Um, In doing that, if there is a, a clear way of getting feedback on your own, you can do that on your own. It also, what people have found is with the process of deliberate practice, having a coach or even a person who you are doing this with a partner Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. So if you and your best friend are saying like, we're going to decide, let's, let's, let's take up urban sketching together. Right. And then you, uh, you go out and you do some, some sketching together. So first of all, you you're, uh, socially distance. You're wearing your mask. You're having a great time and you have snacks together. It's enjoyable. You're going to do it again. And then you do it again. So that's going to let you get better. But if you also, then every once in a while i just say like, let's take a look at the sketches we did last week. We don't have to look at the ones we just did right now because there, we might have a little bit too much ego wrapped up in those, but let's like, take a look at the ones from last week and you help me see what I can change in those to make it better. And I'll look at yours and give you the same kind of feedback. So you're looking at it through a different person's eyes. You can also hold your own artwork up to a mirror. And sometimes that gets you to think about it in a different way. Um, Or
0: upside down like Betty Edwards.
1: Yes, that's right. Um, So so those approaches, um, intentionally looking for, I'm not just going to do the same thing a lot. But I'm going to look for what is working that I want to continue doing. What's not working that I might want to change. Um, and that's and, not that's but, not
0: critique. That's not like a crit that people kind of, you know, are terrified of. Like somebody's going to say I'm bad or somebody's going to give me a grade. It's not that. It's as you said. It's 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 advice. It's hey, why don't we try right. this? Um, yeah. You know, and and, I think, I think it that's only important.
1: works. Yeah, and it only works in the context of having a growth mindset. Right. Because yeah. if you do that with your friend and your friend has got a fixed mindset, they're not going to want to talk to you anymore.
0: Right. Yeah, you have to have rules of engagement that that uh, kind of determine what it is that you're trying to get out of doing the drawing. If you say, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, can we now analyze this drawing in terms of what my goals are? Not, is this any good? but you know if you say I've, I've been struggling with this kind of drawing um, <coughs> can we look at this drawing and talk about like why that is so it's focused and it's it's diagnostic as opposed to you know some criticism that you could take personally you want to you want to have some objectivity about it too yeah yeah
1: the, the the danger is if our identity gets wrapped up in that drawing right then and somebody criticizes it they or are I'm criticizing just no
0: good. i'm just no good
1: yeah then I'm no good. Yeah. Um, so that's why having some emotional space or distance from that is, is important. And I am not that drawing. And right. so a critique of that drawing is not a critique of me. And that's one reason why it's good to critique the one you did last week. Cause in instead of the one you just finished, because like it's the, old then the one yeah, you, yeah, you're, you're the one you've just finished like that. That can be me, but that that's the old me over there. We can talk about that. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, this and kind of, it reminds me of the, the, when I was in the scientific illustration program, we did these critiques and the way that they started is everybody was being, um, just sort of very, very delicate with each other. Nobody wanted to step on anybody's toes and, you know, we'd hold, put all our our, our drawings up and say like, you know, so let's get some feedback and everybody would say like, Oh, that's just so nice. Oh, what about this one? That one's just so nice. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's really pretty. That's so nice. And it was positive reinforcement and that was nice. And so you got at the end of it, you'd spend all this time looking at it and people would say, well, that was nice. Um, And so we did this for a few weeks and then we sat down as a group and we said like, you know what? Our goal here is to, get better. And I forget who it was. It started off with one person and he said like, you know, for the last several weeks, you folks have told me that the stuff that I do is nice and it's pretty. Like what should I do next with it? And you've and the best advice was like, oh, frame it. <laughs> right? And and, it said, and the person said like, I don't want to hear that anymore because what I really want to do is this person came at us with this really growth mindset and said what I really want to do is I want to get better. So if there's some part of it right that i can improve please i really need you to point that out to me and then once that person said that the next person said like yeah me too me too me too and so as a group we decided let's all do this for each other and we were still respectful to each other we were still kind to each other it was a supportive loving environment in that class but we could kind of get in there and help each other find those find like, this is the the two ideas that I found were really helpful. One is to, to, to find the parts that are the strongest and be able to articulate, not just, this is nice, but this is nice because this, right? There's a specific thing that I recommend that you do again. Right. And this part over here, I'm challenged with this. I'm having trouble with kind of reading this part. This part is sort of fading into this. Like that contrast is really, here it's strong. It's really working for me. Here it's, you know, where where it's not working, but specifically, not just saying, I don't like that, but saying this little aspect of this thing. And again, being specific, then would allow that person to either correct that or on their next drawing, put that correction into play. And that kind of a discussion, um, we didn't have the vocabulary of growth mindset at that time, but looking back on it, that's exactly what we were doing. We were reinforcing the things which we wanted to keep. We were identifying the things which we, um, uh, would want to change. And without, without ego, without a threat, um, we were moving our ball down the field.
0: It makes sense. I mean, I'm paying tuition to go to this school. I want to get something out of it. I'm not just here to feel nice.
1: Right.
0: But also, I think you can, as you said, I think you can learn to do that to yourself, too. You have to have some distance. Yes. You know, and you have to not allow your inner critic to turn this into a a complete sort of uh, diatribe or condemnation of everything you are as a human being, (laughs) you know, just because you didn't, like, get the eye right. Um, But, you know, there's definitely – an opportunity for having a system. I think a lot of what we're talking about here is being systematic. I think what happens Mm -hmm. a lot, and I mean, I think about like last week we talked about passion and the week before we talked about beginning. I feel like this is kind of tying some of these threads together, which is a lot of times when you begin and you are self-taught, you're teaching yourself to do this, you're going to fairly quickly not have good results, Mm-hmm. You're, gonna, you're gonna do your first drawings and you're gonna say, Yup, there you go. I knew it. I suck. I'm no good at this. I'm not gonna get anywhere. Um, and of course that isn't true. But if you had somebody else there with you, if you have a teacher who says, you know, you have to do X number of drawings every day in order to get a grade at the end of the semester, that's gonna motivate you to keep going and to push through you know, <laughs> this nonsense. Or if you have a friend or if you have just a, you know, a, a group of people who you're working with. Um, but you're still going to have resistance. You're still going to have a voice inside of you that says, oh, it's embarrassing to show up to that group because everybody else is so good and I'm so terrible, you know, or, oh, I don't want to bother my friend because, you know, they're so much better at it and I'm just – all those kinds of things are all just stuff, you, voices oh you have to suppress because they're going to get in your way. Um, but you're going to have to persevere. and And if you're just learning from books – or from YouTube videos, um, there's gonna be a lot of reason to give up. And you know, you have you have to sustain that. And you have you have to say to yourself, I'm gonna have a system where I say, you know what, I'm gonna draw steadily for a month. I'm gonna take I'm gonna find one or two books. I think Betty Edwards is a great book. Um but if you don't want to use that one, you could use my book, How to Draw Without Talent. Um, you know, you can just find a book that that you stick to. And you say to yourself, I'm not going to evaluate this for X amount of time. And when that time arrives, I'm going to evaluate myself with this growth mindset. What can I teach myself that will help to advance me? Where are the areas that I need to improve? Nothing has to do with questioning the basic premise of this whole enterprise. I'm not discussing whether or not I should learn to draw. That's not under discussion. I'm going to learn. I'm going to discuss how can I get to this goal that I have to feel comfortable doing it and also recognize that you will never stop learning. I mean, Both of us constantly are learning. We're still reading art instruction books. We're still practicing. We're still trying to push ourselves into new areas because that pushing reaps rewards, trying to do new things, trying to use new media, trying – I mean – Jack, you've completely rethought how you draw birds, the kind of a foundational thing for you. And you've come up with a whole, you know, you've basically admitted to yourself this way that I've been doing it for all this time, I wrote books about it. You said, and now yeah. I've changed. wrote a book my on opinion.
1: how to draw birds, and now I think I've got a better system for drawing birds yeah. than is shown in how to draw birds.
0: Right. So that must have still been- a
1: lot of stuff in there on like you know details of wings and things, but like the one, two, three of how you build your basic bird, I would now totally do that in a different way.
0: Right. So that must have been. <laughs> but that must that's a that's a risky proposition. You're kind of saying, you know what? Hi, I'm McDonald's. Guess what? We don't make Big Macs that way anymore. It's it's a challenge, you know. Yeah. You know, to to go and to say I'm rethinking it, but It's not only is it a sign of integrity, but it's also, it keeps it interesting. You want to keep, Mm. you know, and I can think of, I know a lot of professional illustrators who developed a style of drawing, developed uh, a topic of things that they draw, became well-known for it, developed a business around it. They were the go-to guys if you wanted to have a drawing of X, um, and then became really unhappy because of it. So even though they were getting paid every day to draw, they weren't growing and drawing had just become this rote thing. So even though they're really good, even though we would all love to be able to do, draw cars like they do, or draw landscapes like they do, they were unhappy because they weren't growing anymore. And a lot of times being an illustrator means, you, you know, you might be giving up, you know, your bread and butter by, by changing your, um, Your way of doing it i remember my my friend of mine referring to um james taylor and and fire and ice and saying you know what when you go see james taylor he can play his new album for you but he better play fire and ice you know he's gonna have to get around he's gonna have to play that the 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 hit he's gonna have to do that at some point so sure yeah yeah go ahead but stretch yourself that's fine we want to hear your new stuff but you know you've got to do the foundational thing, and that's not necessarily a great place to be as a creative person. You want to always be pushing yourself and challenging yourself and growing and developing. Um, that's and 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 failing, failing along the way. That's definitely part of the of the deal. So, so all right,
1: I, I like that. And and just to, I'm going to bounce into that thought a little bit. You're you're talking about how you can be your own. Coach and um, yes, but so the but think about what the characteristics that you want in a coach. If you have a coach with a fixed mindset, that coach is going to be a terrible coach. (laughs) That's true, right? So, what you're looking for specifically in a a coach is somebody who has a growth mindset and is going to pay attention to you to help you specifically change and grow. And you can be that for yourself, but um if you find you put pen to paper and immediately this your inner critic pops up on your shoulder and is just telling you all the reasons why you can't do this then you've essentially got a coach with a fixed mindset that's
0: true
1: and so if so you have to work deliberately to change the way you frame things for yourself how can you get yourself to Look at your own work from a perspective of a fixed mindset. If you can't, you do need a coach, or at least somebody to help you be able to think about what you're doing from the perspective of a
0: growth mindset. As a process, not as a as goal. a process.
1: That's yeah, and, and exactly, and 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 once you kind of get those routines in, you can take it over yourself. But you think about it, Serena Williams has a coach, right? Right? Why does Serena Williams has a coach? She's really good at tennis, but she's got a coach because it's often hard to look at yourself and know your next steps. Tiger Woods has a coach. Why does Tiger Woods have a coach? The same reason. Um, and that. Um, so if when you if you are doing self-coaching, if you find that the voice of your coach is a fixed mindset one, then, then you got to tap out and go get some support, right? And that can be from, um, you can create your own peer group um, of, of you and your friends. You kind of discuss what you're going to be doing and, and then you know have your friend get in there with you and and really point out like this part is working you're doing that more now look you weren't doing this before you're doing this now you're improving it really help you see that it's not just ego stroking to look through your journals and see that you're getting better you're reinforcing the idea in your head that this whole growth mindset thing works
0: and yeah and getting better could also mean that you have taken some detour at some point you know, you, where you've gotten really good at something and then you're willing to do something that will make you suddenly get bad again. You take on a new mm-hmm. medium, you take on a new subject, you take on a new approach and suddenly you're, you're 10 steps back, but you're on it, you know, but overall you're growing, you're still getting stronger because you're trying a new technique that, you know, the one that you've had, the one that you've been doing for so long, you've perfected so now it's time to push yourself into unfamiliar territory and try something completely new. And that will also give you new insights into the thing that you used to be perfect at as well. I think, you know, it, that's it's so you, true. you want to always be changing. You want to always, you know, I mean, not not to do a commercial, but I think at sketchbook school, that's really what we have been focusing on and, and are finding more and more ways of doing that, of of creating peer groups, you know, so you have an instructor, but then you also have Groups of people that support each other right. and, um, and and push you in you d- in different dr- directions. I mean, we're we're tr- we have a new program where we're trying to learn about. Um, it's called Show and Talk, where you show something and you get input from it. So you're learning not only how to ha- be brave enough to show something, but also how to teach other people to do it. All right, good. Well, we have we've crammed another hour with blather. Um, and, uh, we've, I think it's been, it's always been fun and, and, uh, I'm glad that we're continuing to do this. So thanks for chatting with me today.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, really enjoyed bouncing these ideas around. And for, for me, it's also useful just even, I've been doing this a lot and teaching some of this stuff just to reflect again, you know, this helps put these ideas of, growth mindset at the front of my brain and it's something that you know it's, it's not like you kind of hear the idea and then oh now i'm going to have a a, a a growth mindset i f- still find you know the the specter of that fixed mindset will sometimes come and haunt me and having conversations like this is going to help me the next time that voice pops up kind of like oh i recognize you Right. You're the coach that I don't want. Right? <laughs> you're the, you're the, you're the, you can even name that coach. Right. If, if you had like a, a horrible PE coach in elementary school, you can name it after your PE coach. And like, like, uh, there's Ed Shafley. Right. And, yep. I, um,
0: yeah, I know. I, I remember I had a teacher, fifth grade, sixth grade, sixth grade. He was also the shop teacher, taught like wood shop, metal shop, and then he taught art. So that gives you a bit of an insight into him. And uh, he gave us this assignment, draw birds. And so I was excited by this idea. And I went home and I spent the weekend and I did this, got a big piece of paper. And I did a drawing, a painting actually, of an oasis in the desert. And it had hundreds of different kinds of birds there. You know, and there were palm trees over the oasis, but then there were parrots and there were eagles overhead and there were birds on the ground. There's so many different kinds of birds all (laughs) gathered around this thing. And then there were mountains in the distance and there's this whole thing. I brought it in, handed it in, got it back with, I think it was a D minus. The subject was birds, not landscape. (laughs) I mean, I will never forget that. I, mean, uh, I, was, yeah, I will not say yeah. the teacher's name. He whose name will not be said.
1: That's I right. He never, should not for, be named. I will,
0: yeah. I will never forget him. I'll never forget that lesson and what an impact it had on me and my yeah. sense of confidence when I was 11, you know? And, yeah, uh, yeah. and I think now I look back and I think like, what was up with that guy? Like, what, like, why would you say that to an 11 year old? It would obviously worked really hard on this thing. Like that's like,
1: yeah. Uh, that's, what were You
0: drinking that morning. But, um, yeah, so I think I, you know, we all, I think we learn a lot from bad teachers. We learn a lot from bad bosses. We learn a lot from bad parents. It's nice to have good ones to learn from too, but bad ones also teach us how not to be. And they'd kind of right. give us cues that we can, you know, give, as you said, mentoring, coaching ourselves. It is, you know, even if we have another coach, we still need to be. Good coaches and good good friends and helpers to ourselves, which is something that a lot of people I think struggle with, particularly um, when it comes to heart making.
1: I mean, just don't, we don't want to absorb though that mindset from that bad teacher. We can still learn from that bad teacher about what doesn't work, but if they're role modeling to us a mindset, um, and they've got one that's toxic, and for, not not just toxic, but scientifically inaccurate there you go. The fixed the fixed mindset you know as as a scientist right this is one of the hardest criticisms that i can level the the fixed mindset is scientifically inaccurate
0: right? it doesn't work yeah it doesn't work yeah
1: <clears throat> um all right good well and, yeah and go just just to be clear we are we're not endorsing that anybody go out and get bitten by a rattlesnake um but if you and, do,
0: but I mean, it it couldn't hurt. Well, actually, no, it could. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, Don't do it. Be safe um, be smart.
1: Be safe. Be smart. Make art. Do, even um, one once. of the 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 great opportunities that we we have is to just to give yourself this just give yourself the time and the opportunity to. To feed that part of your your brain and your heart with 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 creative projects, and water that with some with a, the with a, the, the juice of a freshly squeezed growth mindset, and you're going to see amazing things happen.
0: With that, let's uh, go our separate ways. I'm off to, to drink some uh, a couple of gallons of creative of gold of. Creative mindset? What is a creative growth mindset?
1: Growth mindset, yeah. Growth growth, mindset. Uh, freshly squeezed growth mindset. I will,
0: I will go and pluck some. That's great. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Will- it's good stuff. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks, Dan. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And remember, visit sketchbookschool.com and claim your free ebook and your monthly newsletter. Our community is always growing, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Art for All.